Do you have $125,000 sitting around your office that you can afford to set on fire? If not, this episode of The Buck Stops Here is for you. We're talking about a natural disaster that exists in your office, and it's a matter of when, not if, that it will strike you. This episode is all about embezzlement with an interview with Deborah Dalgo, founder of Embezzlement U and iWork Smart Media. On this episode of The Buck Stops Here. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Buck Stops Here Business Podcast. I'm your host, David Maples, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3. And today I'm really excited to bring an interview to all of you out there listening. We are going to talk about the the elephant in the room today, uh, the big E word. No, we're not talking about economics, enthusiasm, elegance, empowerment. We are talking about embezzlement. That's right, boys and girls, sports fans, all of you out there, we are talking about embezzlement. And just a couple of uh, facts before we get into the meat and potatoes of this. Um, according to some studies out there, 80% of embezzlement happens um, to small businesses. And those are defined as companies under about 150 employees. And with that, 30% of these small companies actually go out of business once they discover the embezzlement because they can't sustain the loss. The average loss is over $120,000 and about 30, 25 to 30% of the losses are over half a million to a million dollars. So if any of you guys out there can absorb that, you probably aren't in that small business category. But for those of the rest of you out there, um, I'd like to introduce you guys to uh, Deborah Dalgo today. She is the founder of Embezzlement U. Mm-hmm. and uh, a company called iWork Smart Media. Yeah. She's accountant by trade, but don't hold that against her. She's been doing this work for uh, she's been doing this work for over 35 years, uh, ranging from consulting, not for profits, and in many other public sector positions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Deborah to the show. Glad to have you with us here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you on. So tell us, just tell us a little bit about, okay, so just to start at the beginning here, um, you started uh, Embezzlement U to educate business owners about right. kind of this problem. Right. Why do you, what made you do that? Why, why do you, or maybe what made you think embezzlement was really important for business owners to address? Yeah, so for the majority of my career, I didn't realize that it was a major issue I was actually working for a dental office management consulting firm, um, and the consultants would frequently have a dentist call the office saying that they suspected that they were being embezzled and they didn't know what to do. They didn't know who to turn to. And so I actually started looking into becoming a certified fraud examiner so that I could help these dentists. So I started reading books, articles, pretty much anything I could get my hands on about embezzlement. And the more I read, the more I studied, um, honestly, the more disturbed I became to that everyone demonized the embezzler. I know that sounds strange and, and I don't, I don't think stealing is right, but, um, but I was a little bit disturbed by that. And I think mostly because I've been in that chair for so long, I, back in the early 90s, had my own bookkeeping clients that I did from home. I had a large association. 
And for all of those clients, I had full check signing authority. They had major, you know, big sums of money in the bank accounts. And I didn't have anyone watching over me. I had no oversight. And um, I just can remember, like I said, I was in my 20s and I can remember sitting at my computer at home and and all of a sudden I'd, I'd think, gosh, I could. And then I knew not, there was something in me that just knew don't, don't go any further with that thought. That's dangerous territory for you to be traveling down that road. You don't want your mind to go there. And so I, I never did, but I still, and still fast forward a few decades, um, a lot of control over other people's money. And I stay amazed at the trust level that's placed in me. So I can totally see how people um, can go there um, and uh, unfortunately. And, uh, and so it, it, what sprang from that was just me wanting to not only educate business owners in preventing embezzlement, because I've read enough on their side too. It's, it's a very emotional experience. It's not just a, you know, a monetary hit to these people. It's also very emotional. So, um, I wanted to not only help them, but I also felt like we need to begin trusting, educating the trusted employee. And so that's where I started. I wrote um, Integrity Ed, and I came up with that because I think of this as driver's ed. Um, it's, you know, from that one class that we take, we all go on to drive for years, right, for decades. And so I wanted to um, create a course for these people because we really shouldn't be giving the keys to the kingdom, if you will, to people that have never really even thought about embezzlement. They haven't been prepared for handling someone else's finances. And so very often embezzlement, we will begin with the rationalization, I'll pay it back. And I totally believe that people believe that lie that they've told themselves. You know, often when they're caught, they seem shocked and disoriented themselves. And I believe that is a genuine reaction. I believe that they never expected things to get so far or out of control because they really thought that they were going to pay it back. And so Integrity Ed can really open up their eyes to the truth of embezzlement. Um, and um, I, I you can think of it like photos, you know, that you look at of a horrific accident that motivate you to drive slowly, to drive safely, right? So that's how I think about integrity ed. So that's where, that's how I came out of this is not just wanting to educate the business owner, but the trusted employee as well. So that's, that's interesting because yeah, I think most of, um, most of the people listening to the show who run businesses, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's natural reaction to kind of demonize that person as you would, sure, of you would course. say, right? Um, but it's interesting is that a lot of people, it's kind of like by removing gold bars out of a bank vault. I mean, I, I think it's human nature to be like, well, you know, what if one of these ended up falling into, you know, my backpack here or something like that? Or, I mean, I'm, I had a friend of mine once who uh, got a job driving an armored car years ago. And I remember they had to take a lie detector before they did it. Mm-hmm. It's like, and one of the questions was, have you ever thought about robbing a bank? And the answer is like, yeah, the first time I saw a movie where they robbed a bank, I thought about like, oh, yeah, they did this wrong. We should have done that the better way, right? right? But I guess it's one of those things, a lot of people, something you said there that really kind of struck me was that, um, you know, in the buck stops here, we say that everybody's responsible for everything good or ill that happens to their sure. company. 
But a lot of times we're just trying to kind of offload. I mean, they're so busy most of the time, you know, it's like, well, I need to trust this bookkeeper and I don't need to look at all that. I don't want to come in and sign a check every time. Right. And so that's, that's a major thing. Before this uh, interview, I I started, I did a little bit of research on kind of the fraud thing and, Mm -hmm. and there was a thing called the fraud triangle. Can Mm -hmm. you, can you kind of tell me, Mm -hmm. it said it was like motive opportunity. I don't know, but can you explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so uh, criminologist Dr. Donald Cressy came up with the fraud triangle in the early 50s to explain why people commit fraud. Um, Amazingly, it's still well known in anti-fraud circles. And so the first part of it is opportunity. It's where um, the employee goes about their day-to-day task, uh, just like me sitting on my computer going about my my day-to-day bookkeeping task, right? So they see these opportunities to steal and presumably not get caught. Next is pressure or motivation. So they, the employee will feel some kind of motive to steal. They have to have a motive according to this fraud triangle to steal. That can be things like addictions, gambling, drugs. It can also be, they just want to increase their standard of living. You know, we, we used to say keeping up with the Joneses, but I think now we have to say the Kardashians, right? (laughs) So, so, so often people just want to increase their standard of living. Um, And then last on the fraud triangle is rationalization. So employees have to rationalize the act of stealing because it's inconsistent with their character. Um, it's, uh, they, they don't see themselves, embezzlers do not see themselves as criminals. They certainly don't identify with the, the man who walks into a bank and robs the teller at gunpoint. So they have to justify this act in their minds. They have to make a wrong right in their minds. And psychologists call this cognitive dissonance. It's this mental wrestling match, right? Because we're, we're a good person, but we want to do this bad thing. So how are we going to make both of these things happen? So as human beings, we are very good at this. We're very good at rationalizing behaviors. And I think that if you were to take embezzlement and say, gosh, why is this such a big problem? Why has it been such a big problem forever? And it continues to be. And I think this is one big area that we could zoom in on is just that you know, if there's opportunity, if there's pressure or, or motivation, um, rationalization is not going to be the, the difficult piece because we're really good at rationalizing our behaviors. Okay. So this brings me to my follow-up question on this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what percentage of employees, if these, at least there's two things, um, opportunity yeah. and pressure, mm-hmm. because you can see how it's really easy to think that I'm, I'm down on my luck right now. Right. Uh, okay. So I'm moving gold bars. I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I have access to the gold bars. Right. And, um, you know, I have a health issue and mm-hmm. I got screwed over yeah. by the insurance plan that the company right. provided for me or whatever it is. Right. right. And, you know, or maybe I got passed over on my last raise and I really feel like, or I've been added on a whole bunch of extra job responsibilities. I mean, it's, I could see it's kind of that slippery slope, right? You know, you, sure. you kind of get into that whole, you know, so what percentage of employees will will steal if they're given the opportunity? Well, fraud experts uh, tend to apply the 10-80-10 rule to embezzlement. They say that 10% of employees will never steal. These people are highly ethical. Uh, another 10% are at the opposite end. They uh, will steal every chance they get. And 
within this group are what's called serial embezzlers. And this is precisely why business owners should be conducting pre-hiring screening, I should say proper pre-hire screening. Um, and then the remaining 80% are what's called situational. This is people that could be swayed into stealing um, if given, um, I guess, the, you know, if they're given the opportunity, if they have those, those, the fraud triangle, basically. And 80%, that's, 80%. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people that could potentially be swayed into stealing if, if they, under the right circumstances, I guess you could say. So, all right. So let me, let me break, let me break this down. Cause that's a huge number. Yes. Um, so the background checks really aren't going to catch the 80 percenters. They're going to catch that. They might help prevent right. that 10%. Right. You, you call up people and then you find out the things you, you see, there's a history Right. Doing these things, and there's ten percent people. You, I guess, you always want to make sure that they never work in your organization because those are. It's kind of like inviting a cancer in. It's a terrible thing. Absolutely. But so you can you can do a lot of preventative things on the front end for that that are like the background checks or checking right. references right. and stuff like that. Right. But that eighty percent of people, mm-hmm. and I know, I know anybody. Okay, I know you're listening to the podcast now. You're like, oh, I have all the ten percent people here. I know, right? That's uh. Exactly. That's if you are listening to this right now or watching it, that is a lie. You are selling yourself. Yes. You know, it's, it's not true. Um, but the 80% people, um, so that's one of the, the big things about it is uh, so this sounds like part of the reason you created this is because it sounds like part of it is educating these people on uh, what well, you said yourself. You know, you're working at stuff and you thought, gee, I could, and you stop it, mm. you know, but if you, it's, I guess it's just following down that logical right. slope. Right. Um, so that's really interesting. And it sounds like it affects, um, I just, you know, I read some numbers on this and some of them were insane. Like in the United States, it's, uh, $625 million or something like that annually. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it's, it is, they said it is the most prevalent kind of non-prosecuted white collar crime. Right, right, right. And, uh, so what, okay. So, and I read some stuff saying it affected smaller, large, small and large businesses. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. from what you know, mm-hmm. is this a more of a problem at big businesses or small businesses? Well, I think it, small businesses are very exposed to embezzlement just because they don't have the number. They generally have just a few employees. They don't have systems in place. So this makes them definitely more exposed to embezzlement. They're more open. You know, they don't have generally internal controls that a large corporation would have. They don't have annual audits and they are typically, you know, let have someone else in the organization that has other administrative duties doing the bookkeeping. Like, you know, sometimes you'll see the receptionist who has, who's doing the bookkeeping. Sometimes it's the office manager. It's someone else that usually has other administrative duties that takes on the bookkeeping and they don't have any oversight. They have, if they do, it's very little. If business owners, if small business owners usually maintain any level of control over their bookkeeping, it's to sign checks. But you and I know that there's a whole lot of other ways that people can steal, especially today, you know, in the digital age. Yeah. And once that money's gone, I mean, if they move it from one bank, I mean, uh, you, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. In the majority of cases, they do not recover. I mean, restitution is 
even if you take, if even if you do have the proof and you prosecute and you get a restitution order, I, it, it, the, it's very little, you know, normally what you hear on the news is that people are paying $25 a week and they've stolen $800,000 or whatever. So the majority of the time it's been spent, it's been spent on gambling drugs. It's been spent on, yeah. um, I, you know, occasionally you will see where they'll ha- hold an auction for the different things that they collected and they'll, and that'll go back to that, to the, to the victim, but still, that's still very small compared to what people steal when this goes on for years. I think we've established this is a major problem. So for the listeners out there, what can they do to help prevent, because mm-hmm. it sounds like this is a, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. If your company's in business long enough, long you enough. will run into this problem at yeah. some point in time. You'll yeah. either make a bad hire and get one of those 10 percenters, right. or you have a situation where, you know, it's somebody's on hard luck or has a problem or a substance abuse right. problem that happens. Right. And they, you know, they're, they're taking actions on that that damage the company. So what can, what can we do to help prevent this? Yeah. So, you know, we, we mentioned large corporations generally have, a, you know, a lot of employees, they have an accounting department, which makes segregation of duties easier. They have audits, they have these things at their disposal that small businesses do not. But what that means is that small business owners need to be more involved. And if it's not them, then it needs to be their spouse or someone else that needs to have some, some level of control and oversight Um, I say this um, a lot is that if you do nothing else, um, if you do nothing else, let people know that you're watching them. Um, It's, you know, it's, they know your habits. They know what you're doing. They know what you look at. They know what you don't look at. They know your habits and they're watching you. So it's important for you to be watching them just to let them know that you're watching them. That can be a very strong deterrent in itself. I remember uh, years ago, they were saying that um, um, a whole bunch of uh, retail stores just put up camera. I mean, cameras used to be, they're much cheaper now, but Mm -hmm. they would just put up blank camera pods, right? Mm -hmm. They they would just be a plastic dome in the ceiling, Mm -hmm. but they had a huge impact on theft because people thought they were being watched. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of the same thing, just letting them know like, hey, you know, we look at these things, we audit these things, you know, I guess you should be doing those things as well. You shouldn't just be saying this to people, but. Yeah. um, I mean, people, it's the, you know, the truth is, is that people are not going to steal if they think they're going to get caught. But this feels like a very weak form of protection. So it sounds like ultimately, it sounds like ultimately you need to have a a plan of some kind in place. Yeah. So there needs to be internal controls. What we call in the accounting, the audit auditing world is internal controls. You need to have internal controls in place and that's procedures and systems that ensure accounting reliability. They safeguard not only against fraud, but it safeguards against errors as well. So to have internal control procedures in place and not only put those things in place, but you have to implement them and monitor them. Um, It's so easy for especially small business owners to get busy and to let things, especially something like this, just fall by the wayside. And it's important that they don't. It's really important that they keep, you know, just maintain some kind of level of control and guard against that, um, 
getting comfortable with one person and, and thinking that they would never do this to you. And, you know, just thinking this person's my friend, this person's been here 10 years, this person would never do that. Um, that's where business owners, I think, go wrong is that they become, uh, you could say, too busy and too trusting. I, uh, I read that uh, they said that one of the things that, uh, and I just read this somewhere, I, like I said, just preparing for this interview today, and I read something that said, oh, rotating employees amongst the duties, like if you're rotating, rotating your bookkeeping person into a different role in the company and rotating somebody else in can mm-hmm. actually have a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was interesting, but I, then I was like, but what small business has the the right. means to do that, right? Right, and, right? and I guess, so what, in your opinion, because you've done this for a while and you've said, yeah. and as you said, kind of boat chairs, you've, you've had the opportunity mm. and now, you, now you can, you've consulted with companies now on yeah. doing this stuff and now you've created mm. a tool to help do that. Why would companies not put a plan in place? If, they, if you recognize this as something that will happen to you at some right. point, why would you yeah. not do it? I mean, I just think that they're, I think that business owners get too busy and I think that they have their hands full just trying to run the business, right? So it's just easy to to have someone else do this thing, to do the bookkeeping and to just not see it as a problem. I think that's probably another thing as a, a lot of business owners don't realize. I think it's becoming pretty well known in the dental industry these days because for so long it's been, oh, they're the hardest hit industry is the dental industry. So I think it's becoming pretty well known out in that industry with amongst the consultants that um, that dentists need to do, you know, to be more aware. But I think generally small business owners don't realize that this is the problem that it is. And, and, and if they do, then they don't, um, I think that they rationalize, my person would never do this to me. My person's, <laughs> you know. They, they think that because this person's been with them for so long that they would never do their friends, their friends with my wife or whatever. And um, but the but I mean, that that's what when embezzlement happens, it happens most often by long term employees who have known they know the system well. This is this brings us to the no BS segment part of the podcast. So because this is not a matter of if it's a matter of when this will happen to your business, this is something you need to address. And based on the stats that we've heard here, you know, 30% of small businesses, they won't be able to sustain the loss. This sounds like it's a, it's a pretty high level loss. So from an OBS standpoint, if you don't take action on this, if you don't put a plan in place, if you don't do that, then you are willfully being ignorant of something that will affect your business and it could destroy your company. It's not something you're going to plan for. You could build the best company on the planet and go out of business here because you simply did, failed to plan and address something that will happen to you. It's an inevitability, unfortunately, and you have to do that. So if you protect yourself from hurricanes or natural disasters, if you buy a backup generator for your company, if you pay your taxes, mm-hmm. You should have a plan in place to address that elephant in the room, this idea of embezzlement. And so that's what I think from a no BS standpoint. What are your thoughts on that, Deborah? Well, I like to use health as an analogy when we're talking about this because very, uh, you know, we go through our lives at a busy pace, right? And we very often don't take the time to eat healthy, eat better, exercise. And then one day, um, usually when we have a few years on us, right, we are shocked by a deadly disease diagnosis. 
And I think that embezzlement is very similar, where it's just something that's very easy to ignore and keep going on and keep going on and to keep going on. And then all of a sudden, it's just, you know, it, it's why do we not have any money? We should have money. <laughs> and that's when the hammer falls. And that's when um, it's just too late. It's too late to go back. I want to take a minute and, and let let you talk about what you've created. Mm-hmm. So um, you've got a company called iWorkSmartMedia.com. Right. Right. And uh, you created this um, embezzlement university. So right. it's not teaching people how to steal. It's teaching companies on how to prevent this. So you do you want to take a second and tell us about what you built? Sure. So uh, there are two courses. There's one course that's titled Embezzlement Prevention 101. It's a 25-minute course for business owners. And this is how to put a plan in place. And we just give you five simple, actionable tools that you can put in place today. Um, I know we talked about, you know, small businesses don't have these things that large corporations have at their disposal, like accounting departments and audits and those things. But there are some very simple things that you can start doing that are strong deterrents, very, very minor things that people can be doing that are not very time consuming. So there's that video for the business owner. Um, I'm very passionate about uh, educating the trusted employees. So that's a more lengthy course. Um, and it's, you know, they generally have more time. So it's about 90 minutes. It's 10 sections, which are listed on our website. So you could read through those. Uh, that is for the trusted employee to go through those. And it, and it will take them through the beginning and the end process of embezzlement, how it begins and how it ends. Um, and it's not pretty. So, you know, a lot of times, like I said, embezzlers will rationalize, I'll pay it back, but they haven't taken the time to stop and think through um, the nature of greed or things getting out of control. And I'm going to be a felon when I'm caught. They don't think through all those things. So this course will help them see this whole process play out. And so we I've used a couple examples of real life cases and what happened in those situations. Um, It's not a how to manual by any stretch of the imagination. I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what to say and what not to say. Um, I feel like if people want to embezzle, they don't need anybody telling them how to do it. They see it every day. You can trust me. They see it every day. They don't need anyone telling them how they can do it. They've already seen it. They've already thought through that more than likely. Uh, they, they, they see the holes in the system every day. They're just, it's just not going to be a topic of conversation. So, um, so there's that course. And, um, and then we have a PDF because I realize that this is, a difficult conversation to have. Hey, I have this course I want you to take. Um, uh, so I realize that's a difficult conversation. So I have a, I've written a sample dialogue for employers to have with their trusted employee to get them to take this course. Um, and then I also have a document that lists out the common embezzlement schemes so that it, uh, it, it hopefully will be as business owners read through that list of common schemes that embezzlers use that they are thinking through how this operates in my particular business and how they can close that window of opportunity. So there's a lot there. There's a lot there in, in what we call embezzlement you. So 
Um, for those of you listeners going out there, they can go online to iWorkSmartMedia.com and sign up and do all that there, correct? That's correct. So, so for any of you guys listening out there, there are holes in your boat. They are currently leaky. You need to plug the holes because you're providing opportunity and this is something you should just avoid at all costs. Uh, something I didn't ask, and I know that you had an idea of some of the things we do ask on the podcast today. What was the, what's the big reason about why you started this? I mean, why, why did you do this, Deborah? I mean, making money is one thing, but why did you decide this was such a burning passion for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about helping the trusted employee. I sat in that chair. I still sit in that chair and it, um, I thank goodness I've never been in a position to where I, I let my mind go down that road. I've never been in the, in, uh, financially strapped to where I had, you know, where I didn't have any other alternatives. Uh, but there are a lot of people out there who, who have had, you know, who have had, uh, who sit in that seat, have the temptation every day and are financially strapped for whatever reason. Um, so I, so I am, I am passionate about helping not only the trusted employee, but the, the, the business owner as well. So that's my goal in this course is it's, it's, it's more about for me about helping people and just opening people's eyes to, to do something about this. It's been a problem for a long time. Embezzlement has been around for a very long time. And, in, and I watch these cases every week. I spend my Friday mornings reading up on current cases. I usually spend a couple hours on Friday mornings. And so it's, it, it, it doesn't appear to be lessening at all. So it would be, it's my hope. It's our goal that we could help reduce the number of embezzlement cases for sure. So if there's three takeaways, mm-hmm. if you've been, if they've been listening to us for, you know, a half hour now, what are the three things you'd like right. business owners to know after yeah. listening to us today? Yeah. So I would say number one, put a plan in place today. I wouldn't go another day just um, ignoring this issue and having too much trust placed, being too comfortable with one person because this happens. I see, like, like I said, I see it every week. It happens to the unsuspecting by the unsuspected and it happens more often than people realize. Um, number two, you know, educate your trusted employee um, I'd say not only for your protection, for your business's protection, but for them as well. Um, I, so definitely get them some kind of protection. I titled a part a, one part of Integrity Ed, Never Say Never, because if we are completely honest, we are all capable of embezzlement given the right set of circumstances. And then last, I would say, I've said this already and I'll say it again, that if you do nothing else to prevent embezzlement, it's just simply to let your people know that you're watching. Uh, What surprises me most as I read these cases every week, what surprises me more than anything is that these, the cases in small businesses, these embezzlers use not one, but more than one method to steal. And it's usually the same too, over and over again, surprisingly. And what amazes me most is that it's, they're pretty obvious methods, pretty obvious. And it, it, it lets me know that they felt very comfortable stealing, very comfortable and didn't have, they didn't feel like they were going to get caught. And so I would say for sure, let, let your people know that, that you're watching them, that it's simple, that people will not steal if they think they're going to get caught. 
And um, it's, it's just, it's that simple. If they think they're going to get caught, they're not going to do it. See, it's funny. It's funny you said that. Uh, it's uh, something you said. It's like, you know, it's very obvious, very low. Uh, it's not, you know, Ocean's Eleven with somebody, you know, breaking into the casino and blacking out a city with an electromagnetic pulse or something. It's but, it's literally, it's like, oh, no, it's just the door was open and I took them out the back door kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, wow. yeah. Wow. Uh, using company credit cards is a big one. And you think, gosh, somebody should just be running their eyes over the visa bill every month. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're right. And, and I, uh, <sighs> okay, I've got stuff for myself to do. So Deborah, <laughs> thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, this was a great conversation. So for those of you guys out there listening, uh, take a look at uh, iWorkSmartMedia.com and um, I highly recommend it. Thank, uh, thank you. you so much for coming on the show today, Deborah. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to do it. 